0: Um, I'm really pleased to speak to you all and I'm sad that I can't see you in person, but I'm waving to you and um I pray blessings upon you. Um, I'm going to talk to you about Esther. I really feel bad that I'm talking to you about Esther because I didn't really appreciate her before I got started, uh, how such a wonderful story Esther is. And I really feel I'm going to do injustice to Esther and the story of Esther Because I've only got 10 minutes and there's so much in the story of Esther to unpack. Um, The story of Esther is really about how Esther became a queen um, and saved her people from destruction. So this is a whistle-step tour of Queen Esther. You like it? Whistle-step tour. Um, And what I hope to show you from all of this is how God has been faithful to his people, and what lessons we can learn from the story of Esther. So a um, couple of key points to to share with you. Um, Becky did a wonderful uh, children's talk, and there was lots of detail missed. So I'll go over some of the early bits. The introduction to Esther is that she was an orphan. Um, she was brought up by her uncle Mordecai, and um, she grew up in the Persian Empire, Um Now, the thing to say about the Persian Empire is that it was the second biggest in um, the ancient world. Uh, King Xerxes was the famous king there. Uh, You might know him from two very important events in history. Uh, The first one uh, being the 300 Spartans that defended the Persian army from attack. The other one, which I think you've said before, Graham, is about the story of Marathon, where uh, Greek soldiers ran from the city of Marathon to Athens to warn them Um, about the impending attack. So both of those events um, come around the time of King Xerxes and Esther is around at that time. Um, So that's a historical backdrop of where Esther is. And Esther, the book of Esther, is actually the last historical book in the Bible. Um, The prophets come after that, but um, that is the last historical book. Uh, The first key event is Queen Vashti, Um, Queen Vashti, she refuses to obey one of the king's commands. They have a seven-day banquet. That sounds uh, great. Um, And she refuses to obey his command. So the king gets rid of her and he then looks for a new queen. Um, So they have an empire-wide beauty pageant, effectively. Uh, One of you might really like this. I certainly was very pleased. They had to have a whole year of beauty treatment. Um, I don't know, quite know what that involves, but a whole year of going to the spa sounds great to me. Don't you? Yeah? yeah I'm on board. Um, but what's amazing about this story is that she gains favour with the um, the offices at the spa, uh, which I'm going to refer to, and she gets the best treatment, um, and that elevates her and gives her a much better chance because, actually, she shows a lot of courage Um Because first thing, she doesn't know whether she will become the queen. There were hundreds of potential people that could have become the the queen. In fact, they would only have one opportunity with the king to kind of impress the king. Um, But the next key thing, which is great for her, is that she does become queen. In fact, it's said in Esther that the king was amazed by her beauty. Um, And the thing that stands out for me is... What was it about Esther that amazed the king so much about her beauty? What was it that stood her above the rest? What was her X factor almost? Because the king must have seen thousands of women. He must have spent nights with hundreds of women. What was it about Esther in particular that really made her stand out? Um, The next key event is that uh, Mordecai, he hears a plot to assassinate the king. He tells Esther and Esther goes and tells the king that someone's trying to kill him. And the key thing here is that Esther actually helps to save the king's life. So she listens to Mordecai. And we see this as a common theme throughout Esther, that she listens to wise counsel. And Mordecai is a really key figure. Um, as Becky said earlier, he was her uncle who helped bring her up. Um The next key thing that happens is that Haman, who we were booing earlier, um, he actually has a a great hatred for the Jews, and this is historical. um, But he basically gets the king to sign a decree to basically commit genocide and kill and steal all the Jewish people's property um, away from them. Um, When they hear about this, Esther is greatly dismayed. And uh, Mordecai, at first, sorry, um, Esther decides she can't do this, she can't approach the king. Um, So Mordecai basically says to her, you have to do something. Um, And he says a very particular phrase, which is, you were born for such a time as this. And Esther kind of goes away thinking, well, I might die if I don't do anything, and I might die if I approach the king. And obviously, the context here is that you can't just approach the king and just say what you want to say. You have to have permission. Um, otherwise, she could be killed. So they do uncover a plot um, that uh, they do uncover a plot that more Haman wants to kill all the Jews. Um, She then approaches the king successfully and and the king offers her half of the kingdom and he says, what would you like? And she says, well, I'd like a banquet with you and Haman. He then gets a banquet. The king arrives and he says, "Okay, what would you like? Um, And she says, well, actually, I'd like to have another banquet tomorrow night. Um, The thing that stands out here is that she exercised wisdom and patience. Why? Because I don't exactly know why she didn't present her request that night. There must have been something that was happening or an inkling that she had that kind of suggested to her, now's not the right time. Um, the next bit is actually one of my favorite bits. It's, uh, it is kind of the beginning of the end for Haman. And it starts with uh, the king's bedtime story. Now, Haman left the banquet um, really feeling the top of the world. He saw Mordecai and all of his servants, and his servants bowed down to him, but Mordecai didn't. He was furious, so he built a giant gallows um, in his spare time, and uh, he was going to ask the king to hang Mordecai on those gallows the next day. The king couldn't sleep, so he asked for a bedtime story, not just any bedtime story. He wants the royal chronicles to be read to him, and in the royal chronicles, Mordecai is mentioned, and he says, what do we do about Mordecai? Uh, did we actually honour this man? Um, and the, the officer said, no, we didn't do anything. So the next day, when he sees the king, Haman um, is asked to actually parade Mordecai in the streets and proclaim how great he is. Now, what's fascinating about this is actually Haman absolutely hates Mordecai and he has to do this. Um, the next key thing that happens is he gets home and he realises, oh, I'm late, I've got to go to the banquet again. And at the banquet, um, the queen says to the king, Someone is trying to kill me. And the king is absolutely astounded. Who would dare to kill the queen? And um, she says, Haman. The king remembers that Haman made him sign a royal decree uh, and persuaded him to sign that royal decree where all the Jewish people would be killed. And he walks out the room to kind of contemplate what uh, he should do and what he was thinking. When he comes back in the room, what he witnesses is uh, Haman begging and pleading with Esther, please give me mercy, give me mercy. Um, and he thinks that he is trying to attack Esther. So he gets Haman killed on the very gallows that he made himself. So the tables are turned. He is then killed by the very same thing that he had intended for Mordecai. Uh, in all of this picture what we see is um, God's redemption, God's faithfulness to the Jewish people. And what I want to show you is that as individual steps, they are so key to the story of Esther. If Queen Vashti had not disobeyed, um, Esther wouldn't have been queen. If Esther had never entered the beta pageant, she never would have been queen. If the plot for Mordecai had never been uncovered, Mordecai would never have been elevated there, Um, and if Haman uh, hadn't imposed all of these things, we wouldn't have seen how God is at work here. The story of Esther is really interesting because God is never mentioned once. God is never mentioned once. It's one of only two stories in the Bible where God is never mentioned, but I think this is deliberate because we can see God at work in all of these steps, leading up to her becoming queen and saving her people. This story is so beautiful, how God is at work. He is making a masterpiece here and he gave his people a promise that he would never forsake them nor leave them. If Haman had actually succeeded in his plan, the Jewish nation wouldn't have existed like it does today. Jesus wouldn't have been born. There would be no Mary, there would be no Joseph. So God really triumphs over adversity. So the application here that I'd like to draw out is one, where is God present? And two, what can we learn from this? So um, the big picture here is one of redemption. Um, What we see here is actually Jesus being shown and that's the beauty first of all the king issues a decree and he cannot take that decree back so what's the solution he issues another decree that the jewish people can defend themselves and save themselves now where's jesus in that well what's really interesting is that god issued a first law that the wages of sin is death and He can't undo that law. But what's amazing is that he can issue a new law that doesn't replace it. And Jesus says, I have not come to get rid of the law, but to fulfill it. And Jesus made a new law that whoever believes in me shall have eternal life. And that is the beauty that I find. That is the faithfulness of God. That's God's heart to really bring redemption back, us back to him. And that's what I find beautiful about Esther's story. So what can we learn from the story of Esther? That's the last bit I'm going to say, and this is a picture I'm going to share with you. Um, When we were thinking about this, because we're moving to Albania, uh, it is really, if you want to see that bit better, I'll just move it slightly. It's been a real big challenge, but this is um, a picture Kerry got That she felt God was already speaking to her is about just reaching for the next step. And what I feel is that God just gives you just a bit and then you grab onto the next step, just a bit and you grab onto the next step. And as you keep climbing, when you look back and see where God's taken you, you'll be amazed. Um, And I think that's true for the story of Esther. So, personally, what I'd like to leave you with is what. If we look at the characteristics of Esther, she showed great courage in the midst of the challenges that she faced. She had wise counsel in the form of Mordecai, and she showed wisdom and patience. And so what I get you to reflect on is, which one of those areas do you feel that you need to take the next step in? Where do you need to be showing courage in an area of your life that you feel is a big mountain or is... Uh, Something you're finding challenging, either at work or with people that are just difficult to love. Um, Where do you need to exercise wisdom and patience where things are just not working out for you? And do you have wise, wise counsel? Do you have people around you where you can ask for help? You can pray for you and help you on the journey that God's calling you to. What we see so clearly is that God is faithful to us has a plan and a purpose for us and that his timing is perfect for us we are praying and asking God for his timing uh, as we move to Albania but I'll just leave it there